Turn to Matthew 5, and as we uh, prepare to hear from the Lord today, I just want to let you know we have a particular theme in our service today, and that is healing. And um, that might help a little bit. I don't know. There's no way. For your sake, for your convenience, for your comfort, you get shade, but you cannot see me. Uh, it's probably bothering me more than it's bothering you. So let me pray this morning. And again, our key focus is healing during our service today. Uh, the Lord has lined up for us a challenging topic that's going to affect more than likely everybody here in, in service today. And I just want to commend you for being here today, um, making sure that you gather with the bride of Christ in celebration and worship to your Savior is so important, is so desperately important. And so thank you for making the priority, just you getting out of bed and coming here and being with others in the heat of the sun is an act of worship. The Lord is pleased. Let's go before him in prayer. Father, you give us all good things, and yet you are truthful with us, you are honest with us, and it is your greatest desire that we are healed from the effects of sin. Let this challenging truth come through with great clarity today. There's a great obstacle in my path, Father, of being misunderstood, of allowing the enemy to um, conflate or um, confuse this message. And so let it be crystal clear that this is truly a message about your goodness and your desire for those whom you love to avoid pain and suffering. Thank you, Father. Work mightily in our midst. Amen. Well, I just again want to say thank you so much for um, your prayers. There's many exciting things happening at CBC. Next week, I implore you, I, I encourage you, um, we're going to be wrapping up our focus on outreach while at the same time bringing about the largest parts of what we're doing. You see all these bags in front of me. Um, we're in the midst of the, the uh, gift card outreach ministry as well, but we have two big events still coming. And uh, next Sunday, our district superintendent, Neil Brower, will be preaching. So I really encourage you, don't miss. As a matter of fact, invite some people. Uh, Neil is very, very different than me. And so you might really enjoy the service. So uh, I encourage you, really, really make every effort to be here. And then pray. Pray that the average temperature is about 68 degrees at, uh, at sermon time. Some of you Egyptians are nodding, no, please. Our Egyptians are very comfortable right now. How you doing, Henny? Are you comfortable? He's so comfortable. Of course, he's in the shade. Um, I just have a real quick question. I'm going to have to position myself so I can really kind of see all of you. Who has been married over 25 years? Here, raise your hand. Okay. Who's been married over 30 years? Raise your hand. 
40 years, 50 years. Wow, it's down to these three couples, I think. All right, who's been married longer than 55 years? Right, 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 Alex. Uh, let's go 60. I got 60, 60, 60, 55, 58, 58, 54, 53, 52. All right, what, what, where are we at here? Um, how about 56 years? 57 years? Jay and Carlene are your winners. Give them a big hand. And by the way, give a hand to other people just kind of cleared out to the back of the house. Kind of gave you my space to vent, and I couldn't figure it out. And then eventually, I, I, I kind of rewired things, and it was gone. And I thought, that's it. Yay. Yay, this thing isn't a piece of junk. For, for the first hour that I was dealing with it, I, I was just talking about how this was the stupidest purchase I ever made. I can't believe I committed to this. I waited six months for this thing to come in the mail. And now it's just not even working right. What did I do? And I was ready to toss the thing, except for the fact that I had committed six months of waiting because I thought it was worth it. Thank God I didn't toss it, but I rewired. Well, I get back from vacation, take my base, put it in there, and I got the same problem all over again. Now I know, because I've used this amp for a whole week, it's not the amp. And then all of a sudden, I think back, to things that I have studied, the truth of what could be going on. And it's what really was going on the entire time, proceeding back to two months. And I reached down to the volume knob, and I started tapping on it, and I got this big crackle. And eventually, one time when I tapped on it, I could hear the whole thing the way it's supposed to be in all of its beauty and its aura. And for about 10 minutes, it played perfectly. Well, that's all relative to how I use it, but it played the way it was supposed to play. And then it shorted again. And I had to tap on it, and it would come back. You know, I was about to turn around and just get rid of that bass. Thank God I didn't make that foolish choice, right? Because it's as simple as unscrewing the back plate, taking a can of aerosol and blowing the dust out of that potentiometer, getting rid of the things that's interfering with the way it's supposed to work. This is a beautiful illustration of what Jesus is speaking about. Let me get into the text. Turn to Matthew 5, 31 through 32. And he says this, now remember, the way he's going to start here speaks specifically to the connective tissue of where he has been, right? He just came out of talking about adultery and how adultery destroys. And then he continues on and says, it was also said, see the connective language? It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. In other words, he's referencing what the Pharisees and what the religious leaders used as an excuse for their immoral behavior. And in Mark 10, in just a minute, we're going to see exactly what that means. But let me continue on here. He says, it was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, 
that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Many of you may have grown up in the circles I grew up with in, in conservative churches that always said divorce was wrong and would demonize someone who went through a divorce. Or if they ever found out that you had a divorce in your history and you remarried, then you were demonized as well. You could never serve anywhere in the church. Some churches you could never even be a member. A lot of that stems from this teaching, but in an erroneous fashion. It would be tantamount to that church leadership hearing popping coming out of the base and saying the base is broken. It's worthless. I'm not using it. And Jesus is not interested in you as well. And so many believers, because of the challenges in marriage and the challenges that happen because of marital unfaithfulness or other areas that get in and break down what was intended to be good and righteous and right, and what ends up happening is that there is division. There is a freedom from the commitment. That's what that Greek word divorce means. The Greek word for divorce here means there is a breaking, a freedom from a commitment that you were bound to. So what do we do with this? Well, let me give you some thoughts. And by the way, we do have sermon notes. You can fill in the blanks. And there are questions on the back that you can either use personally or use during life groups this week. Jesus, again, just to remind you, Jesus is speaking in a continuous pattern of thought and teaching. Adultery and divorce, anger, all of these issues that are pragmatic issues, Jesus is speaking to a crowd just like I'm speaking to you now. And he's really reinstituting what's going to happen because of the cross and the resurrection. Because of Christ, we move out of the law and we move into the understanding of grace and victory over sin and death. So the Sermon on the Mount is all about rewiring our thinking according to God and not to our culture. And those that he's speaking to, their culture was all wrapped around rules and laws. And there's good thinking as to why that happened. But what they had done, just like all of us do, is we extrapolate out those laws and we distort them according to our own thinking. And then we have made something that God had intended for good, we have distorted it and turned it into something God never desired or meant. And so Jesus is hitting the reset button with the Sermon on the Mount. He is setting up the age of grace. So Jesus clearly states that divorce, other than adultery, is not God's will. Right? Did you hear that? Those were his words, not my words. And yet we know that many, even sitting out here today, have suffered through the hideous thing of divorce. And let me just say on the, on the front side, brothers and sisters, this service today, when I'm done praying, we're, or when I'm done speaking, we're going to have a prayer time, and we're going to have prayer for healing. That the reason Jesus is speaking to this is because of an abuse. There are many that speak about the scriptures as being 
misogynistic in its nature. When specifically what is being stated here is the abuse by the Pharisees and the religious leaders to give themselves permission because of their hardened hearts to just follow convenience instead of commitment. And that's the sermon title today. Commitment versus convenience. And Jesus, in this same statement, addresses it first and foremost. You heard that, right? He starts with this issue of, you know, you've heard it said that you were allowed to write these certificates of divorce. You appealed back to what Moses said. You're going to hear in, in just a second in Mark 10, you can turn there now, that God is brokenhearted over these abuses where just because it was no longer convenient to be in this relationship, that the man would write a certificate of divorce and cast the woman aside. Do you understand what that says about God and his care for women? God is very much about the care of, of women and the abuse of women. And this is what Jesus is truly speaking to. He's saying you made a commitment. And just because you deem it is not convenient anymore does not mean that it is God's will or gives or God gives you permission just to cast aside. And by the way, casting aside and giving a woman a certificate of divorce was basically dooming that woman. Jesus is speaking too much, and I wish I had time to go over all of the ramifications here. I don't. We have to stay on point. But remember. The real challenge for us today is thinking about the issue of commitment, which is who God is, versus convenience, which is where mankind tends to always draw to. You understand that? It's harder for me to do the study and the research about why my base isn't working rather than just throw my base away and say, this thing's worthless, it's not convenient for me anymore, it doesn't work for me anymore, it's gone. But I wanted to be committed to learning that particular style of music. And I spent a lot of time dating that bass. Right? And then we got married, that bass and I, the minute it entered into my house. And I started playing. There's a marriage relationship there. Janine, don't feel threatened. And when all of a sudden it wasn't working the way I wanted it to work and it was inconvenient, there was the thought, I'm getting rid of this thing. It's going straight to reverb. Thank God, I reminded myself about the commitment that I made to learning that style of music and researching what was going on and address and rewire the issue rather than just go after my own convenient indulgence. There's difficulty in this passage. Jesus obviously states that divorce other than for adultery is not God's will. We see that, right? That's definitive. Turn to Mark 10 because we're going to get a little bit more clarity here. I'm going to speak to this and then I'm going to speak more towards the issue of um, commitment versus convenience. What we need to learn today and uh, we're going to be in verses <clears throat> 1 through 12. And it says, And he, being Jesus, left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan 
and the crowds gathered to him again. And again, as was his custom, he taught them. And the Pharisees came up, and in order to test him, asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Now, why would the Pharisees test him on this? Because he's already spoken about it once, and he challenged their whole culture, their whole convenience culture. And yet they wanted to hold to the law, and the law permitted them to issue these certificates of divorce based off of their interpretation and their distortion of the law. They weren't interested in truth. They were interested in supporting their convenience. And they knew what Jesus would say, so they were seeking to trap him. Same idea as test him. And so the Pharisees came up in order um, to, to test him and said, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? So he knows exactly what, what their premise and their foundation is, and he goes right to it. They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. How do you like that? How do you like that culture, women? Don't you find that just endearing? Just wonderful. Meatloaf was a little burnt. I'm sending you away. Right? <laughs> I'll just stop right there. But... But in all seriousness, my friends, that was the culture Jesus is addressing. Does that start to shape this conversation a little bit more in depth? Rather than just, is divorce okay or is it not okay? When we understand and want to see what Jesus was saying, we have to be accurate with the interpretation of the scripture. And that requires work. But it will resolve itself in deeper commitment. And Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. By the way, who wrote the commandment? The Lord or Moses? Moses did. It was an allowance, but you're going to hear in Jesus' tone that it's not necessarily God's will. He made an allowance, and Moses marked it down. Why? Because you're justified in it? No, Jesus said, not because you're justified, but because your hardness of your heart. Because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, here is how God feels about it, Jesus is saying. From the very beginning, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. Can I get an amen? Okay, you all need marital counseling. I'm dead serious, man. Man, if you can't say amen to holding fast to your wife. I held fast to my wife all week long. <laughs> Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. The whole idea of unity. What therefore, and here it is, the great statement that I get to say at the end of every, every wedding ceremony I perform. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. You know, what's interesting is that is a qualifying statement for this whole discussion. If we want to look at it just about marriage and divorce. Have you ever had somebody in this conversation, in this teaching, propose to you the thought, what marriages 
is God joining together. If the command by Jesus here is what God has joined together, let no man separate. And I don't pretend, by the way, if I had a, a great answer to this right now, I would want an honorary doctorate, and I would demand it. But I don't have, and it would take weeks for us to work through all this, because I've never had a single teacher in my life bring up this point. But it certainly makes sense to me. If Jesus' final words on this is what God has joined together, let not man separate, does that mean every marriage God has joined together? Well, under the teaching I have been under most of my life, many people would say God would never join together a believer with whom? An unbeliever. Have you ever had this teaching when it comes to divorce and remarriage? I never have. But I'm basing it off of Jesus' words. And if we're really going to have a discussion that affects people's lives deeply, in the deepest sense, we need to look at exactly what Jesus is teaching. We're moving on. Because I don't have time. I'm just, that's a teaser, folks. That's a teaser for you to look at and discuss in life groups and, and to work through over this week. Jesus is speaking to man-made distortion of Moses' allowance based on hard hot hearts for the sake of convenience not commitment convenience Ephesians 5 shows us that this relationship in marriage is a uh, it's a synonym for our relationship between Christ and the church all right and, and it helps elucidate the deeper truths of what marriage can be and so when we think about marriage and how God has designed marriage and and in a primary sense, God is about relationship and the authentic and true principles that build relationship in a good and holy way. We have the choice to either believe that God is good and his will for relationships is right and righteous and holy, or summarily reject what he is saying. Jesus is speaking to a man-made distortion of Moses' allowance based off of hard hearts and for the sake of convenience. I hope you see that. When it comes to other areas, when it comes to divorce, some of the things I face, pastor, my husband is a threat to my children and has been for years. And there's a physical legitimate threat to us. Can I divorce him? Um, pastor, my wife has been beating me for the past three years. And she's run our credit cards dry. And I'm in debt up to my ears. And she's a danger to her children. Pastor, there hasn't been intimacy in my marriage for a decade. Pastor, if you only heard the emotional abuse I take from my partner, there is no marriage. Now what do I say to that? Well, if you're sitting across from me, maybe I can just come to you and I say, well, what, what works for you? What, what works for you? What's, what's the most convenient thing for you? Maybe you should just follow that. Follow your heart. That's on a t-shirt somewhere, a mug. Can I just share with you commitment 
yields strong and right results. You and I are in a culture that knows very little about commitment on any level. You don't like your job, what do you do? You don't like the rules of your state on masks, what do you do? You know, I've heard about five families this past week that moved to another state just because they hate what California is doing. Forget the relationships, forget the, the devotion to the workplace, forget the devotion and relationships with your church family. None of that matters. I just want my freedom. Have you heard these things? Let me, let me draw a line real quickly. The Greek word for freedom, when it comes to marriage, is divorce. I want to be free from these commitments. We are in a culture, by the way, there can be perfectly legitimate reasons for moving out of California. I've got about 432 of them in my back pocket. But I'm committed to you. And it doesn't matter if it's convenient or not that I stay in the state the wonderful golden state of california you're all my heroes because you're staying and for those of you that are watching on broadcast and you've moved to another state <laughs> that's greek for <laughs> no you know i'm joking around but i do i i do value right there's value in us being together and I can excuse that. Well, you'll get another pastor. He'll probably be better than me. Well, we'll move into another state. There'll be another church with a bunch of other people. And we'll form new relationships. It's what's convenient. That's the culture that we live in. And it permeates into the deepest recesses of our lives. And that's what Jesus is speaking to. That God has set forth. God has set forth before. At the beginning, Jesus says, that a man shall leave his mother and his father, and the two shall be one. But the Pharisees and the Jewish leadership said, well, that's not really convenient. And because of their hard hearts, they were given this allowance. It wasn't smiled upon by God. Referring back to all those illustrations I gave you about you maybe sitting across me saying all these horrible things, can I just tell you that there's a way for me to help you understand we have to take a deeper look elsewhere to resolve those issues? Because it's something that we call the scriptures are silent. I cannot go to a scripture that says, what if the husband is beating the wife? There is no scripture that speaks to that. By the way, do you know of one marriage referenced other than the marriage supper of the lamb or the church and the bride of christ or the bride of christ in christ do you know of a single marriage referenced in the new testament where there's instruction given i think that's kind of amazing isn't it something that's so pertinent to our i'm not talking about the idea of marriage i'm talking about a marriage that we can look to like abraham and sarah right and we can reference how those individuals work together. It's a little challenging when the scriptures are silent to be able to give good, strong, principled advice. And so we have to look at the deeper issues here of who God is and who God's character is. In wrapping up, let me take you through a couple things. 
Our concern is God's view, not our view. We need to rewire ourselves to God's view. Hebrews 12 talks about uh, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, in order that you and I might experience what? We got a piper down. All right, that's your first warning, folks. Don't worry about it. Just let's stay. They're toppling over. They'll just go over again if you set them up, folks. So I better preach fast because the wind's coming up. I didn't hear any amens. Oh, now I got an amen. All right. So what? What's, uh, uh, so Hebrews 12, 2 through 5 speaks to this idea that who Jesus was was one who spoke to commitment, not convenience. Do you think it was convenient for Jesus to go to the cross? Do you think it was convenient for Jesus to even come down to earth and live in this squalor? As a matter of fact, we know in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus says, Lord, take this cup from me because it was so painful, the thought of it. And yet he was committed, thank God. Amen? And you take that idea that he did that for his bride, we start to see the deeper understanding of the character of God, that just because something is no longer convenient as a marriage does not mean that we have the allowance to just dissolve it. Talking about commitment versus character, or convenience. I love all these challenges that we're facing right now by being outside. Thank you for sticking with it, folks. Jesus speaks and demonstrates the commitment of loving relationship. It, it gives us this picture of a God who keeps his word. Amen? Don't you want a God who keeps his word? There's a statement on marriage here listed in Matthew 5, also Mark 10, Ephesians 5. Uh, you can write all these down. Paul speaks about marriage and gives uh, two more allowances on the issue of divorce and remarriage. And I'll just, I'll quickly talk about them real quick. He talks about the idea of commitment. And then he says, look, if, if, a, if two people become married, and I, I'm just going to give you the, the paraphrase of it. If two people become married and one comes into the faith, Okay, One comes into the faith, but the other one doesn't. And the other one decides to leave. Paul says, you are no longer enslaved to that relationship or bound. Right? Remember the word divorce means freedom. Boom. Go. Liberty. All right? Versus the idea that being bound in commitment is, is the antonym, right, of divorce. And so Paul says, if you have a situation where one becomes a believer and the other one doesn't, and the one who's an unbeliever says, I'm out of here, I'm gone, you are no longer bound in that relationship. Do you understand that? 1 Corinthians 7. And so you have the same freedoms as someone who is single to remarry. You are no longer under this issue or this decree in Matthew 5, Mark 10, Matthew 19, because Jesus is speaking to the thing in front of him. He didn't speak to the totality. He does that and bookends the thing through Paul's teaching out of 1 Corinthians 7. 
There's one other way that you are no longer bound in your marriage. Any guesses? Death. Death, yes. And in Romans, Paul says the same word. He uses that same word. You are no longer bound in that relationship. So that, that's a real quick synopsis. But I want, to, I want to pull you back to this idea that Jesus is one who is committed in loving relationship with us. Thank God. Our picture of God through the covenants is a God who is committed. I encourage you at some point, read through the book of Hosea. It'll take you about five minutes to read and it'll take you a lifetime to compliment or con contemplate it. Hosea was an archetype of Jesus Christ. One who was committed to an unfaithful relationship. And 1 Timothy talks about that, or 2 Timothy 2.11. I'm going I'm to read it for you. It says this, the saying is trustworthy for if we have died with him, in other words, we have accepted the work of the cross, we also will live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. That's just the harsh reality. But listen to this statement. If we are faithless, he what? He remains faithful. Praise God that I have a Lord and Savior that re regardless of my actions, my wandering heart, my lack of devotion to him, that he does not stray from his commitment. Because I promise you, there isn't a single one of us who call ourselves believers that have earned his affection. He gives it because he loves us regardless of the convenience of of the situation. Christ went to that cross regardless of the convenience because he was committed and I'll get to a, I'll get to a, a key word here uh, in, in just a second. So the convenience of short-sighted choices versus the commitment of lifelong choices is where we're going to finish today. We need to rewire our thinking and our hearts. Watch that tree. This is fun. This is like whack-a-mole at Chuck E. Cheese. So, yeah, just be aware. Thank you, David. We need to rewire our thinking in our hearts. Stop shooting for the most convenient because it's going to cost you in the long run. I had a beautiful, we, we, we just moved, and so we, my wife has 5,832 pictures, of which I've seen all of them now because we had to put them into photo albums and things like that to store them. But we unearthed three pictures of something that I had lost that was maybe on the same level as the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> I used to own a 1963 VW camper bus. <laughs> and God had to work some absolute miracles to keep me alive in that thing. And there were a couple times early in our marriage when we owned it, Janine had to drive it, and she was scared to death. That is basically driving around in a tin can with some glass on it. And if you're worried about it, you're going to get in an accident. And at some point, it was just like, I need to get rid of this. I sold that bus for $1,500 to an MIT grad who was going to take it across the nation. And what was funny is I, I was trying to tell him, I have this one short, are, are, are you, 
you want me to show you? He goes, no, no, I'm fine. I go, really? I, I think I need to tell you that I've got this one short. And he looks at me and he goes, dude, I'm from MIT. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're good. Okay. That's who you want to sell a VW bus to. But you know what that bus would go for today? Easily, easily somewhere between sixty dollars and $80,000. I'm crying over my lack of commitment. <laughs> it was no longer convenient for me to keep that treasure. And so I got rid of it. Maybe I should have hung on to it. But you get the real point, don't you? You get the real point. We make reasons as to why we break those things. Jesus set that pattern. Remember, Jesus himself said, what God has put together, let no man separate. That is the overarching principle and command here. Now the issue is, are we going to be committed to the goodness of God, or are we going to follow in our own line of thinking to convenience of what works for me in the moment? Jesus, here's the capstone. Jesus sets that pattern. Thank God Jesus was committed to obedience and not conditional love. Amen? I'm going to give you five words here. Commit. You know, I'm going to write about this in my diary someday. Commit to rewiring versus tossing for convenience. Here are five words that I want to give to you that should help you out. They're just going to blow over again. You can leave them down. Because it's not convenient. But you're committed. I like it. Um, here's the five words. So for those that are thinking and dreaming about marriage, for those that are already involved in marriage, for those that have had to go through divorce, for those that are single, I want you to think about these five words, and I want you to work on them this week in relation to commitment versus convenience. Number one, preparation. What are you doing for the preparation of lifelong commitments? Number two, motivation. Most of the individuals that come into my office for crisis marital counseling are there for one reason. They no longer have motivation. What are you doing to feed that motivation? Three, interrogation. What? How does interrogation work to the health of my marriage? Have you ever just interrogated your wife or your husband? Of course you have, <laughs> but probably to a pejorative. Interrogate them about what they like, what they don't like, what they want to do, what their goals are in life. My wife and I interrogated each other all week long on vacation. Where do you want to eat? I don't know, where do you want to eat? No, where do you want to eat? But do that about the most important things in life. Celebration. If you do not celebrate your relationships, you will grow tired of them and they will become inconvenient. Lastly, declaration. To work towards a common cause and have a legacy result that you're proud of, we relate that to work, don't we? Or we relate that to sports, we relate that to successes. How often do we fail to relate that to our marriages? In all of my premarital counseling, I take my plebes, as I call them, through a course called Attractive Marriage. And my goal for everybody that I do a service for is that you have an attractive marriage 
and that at any point in time, it can not only be declared by your husband or your wife or yourself, but by those who are observing, they can declare that you have a committed and exciting and blessed and, and God-focused marriage. That comes through commitment, not convenience, brothers and sisters. And that's really what's at the heart of what Jesus is speaking to. So maybe that's a little bit different flavor than, than how you've been taught in this passage. Um, let it be known, we take very seriously what it is that God holds to. There are some areas here that may, they challenged me, they may challenge you. We want to get to the depth of what God truly wants not live in convenience and excuses. Amen? Because the result of that is broken hearts and broken lives. And that's what God is trying to work against. He's trying to protect you. So let me pray over you now. And I'm just going to ask, if there is any area of your life, our focus today is about healing. And healing requires commitment. Healing doesn't come out of convenience. Damage comes out of convenience. Hurts come out of convenience. If there are any of you that need prayer for healing, I'm going to just encourage you to raise your hand and I'm going to pray over you now. It can be about anything. It can be related to divorce. It can be related to other things. Let's just leave them down because they're breaking when they fall over. And I just saw $45 uh, go down the tubes with that with that one. Oh, look, Cher's motivated. $45, let's save it. <laughs> Thank you, Cher. So I'm just going to take a moment to pray over you guys, and if there's something specific that you want healing for, the Lord knows what it is. But I just want you to request. It says, seek after me, ask, and it will be given. Right? Knock, and the door will be opened. And so I want to pray over you, and then... We're going to have a ministry moment uh, connected to um, one of our healing ministries here at, at CBC, Celebrate Recovery. So let's all stand together. You've been sitting for a while. That way if a, an umbrella comes up, you know, you can take it in the chin, not the top of the head. It'll stab you right in your solar plex, not your cranium. Let's go before him right now and just ask that the God of, of all creation, the God who desires relationship, the God who desires goodness in your life, he can heal. And if you have divorce in your past, can I just share with you, that does not define you. Christ says, or Paul says, through the influence of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5.1, you were meant for freedom in Jesus Christ. Stop submitting yourself to a yoke of slavery. There are plenty of things that we have all suffered through and, and maybe not made the best choices. Some of those things carry long-term, some of those carry short-term. But what Paul is saying through the influence of the Holy Spirit, what Christ has said, what Christ did on the cross, was to free you so that you don't live in guilt, you don't live in shame, you don't live under uh, 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 your own scrutiny, but that you truly are free so that you can pursue a long-term commitment to him and to believe that he has the best for you. 
and you do you don't you no longer have to be subject to that destructive thing that wants to hold you captive. Amen. Let me pray over you. Father, we come to you asking for healing and relief for those that in any sense or form have been wounded or hurt or are struggling emotionally, spiritually, mentally. Let them reach out to you. It's not enough for me to ask for this. But I am interceding on behalf of my brothers and sisters. Let them reach to you with their hearts. Let them believe in the truth of who you are and your commitment to them in spite of convenience, in spite of our lack of faithfulness. You truly love and you love long term. You are committed to our growth. You are committed to our sanctification and our justification. We praise you for that, Father. We pray that each of us, whatever those seeds, those insipid seeds of doubt or guilt or whatever it is that Satan wants to hold over us, that those are broken away, we don't put ourselves under that enslaving thinking but we see ourselves as the adopted sons and daughters of Christ and God Almighty, and that each of us comes with our own challenges, difficulties, failures, successes. Equally, it is the cross and the resurrection and your love and your grace that defines us equally. Thank you, Father. Heal the hearts that need healing. To you be all glory. Amen.